there is a huge amount of potential. And also I should mention youth entrepreneurs that programs such as innovation hubs and accelerator programs um, can really, we see a lot of young people creating their own businesses. When EP Africa first started 10 years ago, um, many of the youth entrepreneurs in our portfolio were expats, came from Europe or the US who had come into Africa to start companies. But now we see increasing numbers of local companies run by young people. We see some you know, local entrepreneurs who have um, come up from really starting as a volunteer in their community. Maybe uh, we have examples of young people who didn't even have access to electricity themselves all through high school and you know, are now uh, leading operations for a company at a national level. So there's, there's a new generation um, evolving, emerging in the, in the sector. That was Tracy Dolan of the Energy and Environment Partnership, EEP Africa. And this is the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm your host, William Brent. Tracy is the knowledge lead at EEP Africa and has taken a keen interest in the link between youth and employment, which resulted in a recent EEP report on youth opportunities in the clean energy sector and the launch in 2020 of the Rising Energy Leaders Award. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you for having me. So one-fifth of Africa's population is between the ages of 15 and 24. That's 225 million people, and about one-third of them are jobless. At the same time, uh, you have a huge number of people entering the job market each year, uh, and that number grows exponentially. So depending on how you look at it, that's either a big risk for unrest and migration or a big opportunity to tap into a massive source of pent-up productivity. I'm hoping you can start us off by talking a little, about, a little bit about what you found uh, of, of the role for clean energy sector can play in creating youth jobs. Yes, thank you. Um, as you said, this is a very important area, um, especially in Africa, where there is such a large number of young Africans entering the job market each year and just simply not enough formal jobs being created to meet that demand. Um, we did find with our study and in our 10 years of work with EEP Africa supporting especially early stage and startup companies in the sector that there's a lot of a significant um, potential to increase jobs in the sector. And we found that there are jobs both through the direct generation of energy and also through the use of energy, access to energy. So under the direct generation of energy, there's jobs in design and construction um, especially with larger scale projects, solar PV or hydropower or wind. Um, there's numerous sales and marketing jobs. Um, solar home system companies and cook stove companies can create hundreds of jobs in sales and marketing, often in rural areas. Um, and then there's technical installation, repair and maintenance. So um, maintaining the systems that are, uh, that are um, constructed and, and also um, repairing and restoring products uh, connected to that energy. Um, and these are also often in rural areas. Many of the companies have higher local technicians on a part-time or commission basis. Um, so that's direct jobs within the sector. And as I said, there's a huge, num a huge potential to grow that as the off-grid value chains are growing very rapidly across Africa. In addition, there are jobs being created through productive use of energy. As more communities gain access to clean energy, you see new job opportunities in the agricultural sector, 
through agricultural processing equipment, solar irrigation, cold storage that are helping smallholder farmers um, grow their business and reach markets more uh, easily. And there's also jobs in the service sector. So you see if a mini grid comes to a community, you might see a number of micro and small enterprises uh, develop in that community. So we see a lot of potential for this, but I think one of the uh, key problems is still a financing gap in the sector that successful companies are, are not able to scale up fast enough um, and uh, and have the funds for targeted recruitment. So, so that needs to be addressed. Um, but there is a huge amount of potential. And also I should mention youth entrepreneurs that programs such as innovation hubs and accelerator programs um, can really, we see a lot of young people creating their own businesses. When EP Africa first started 10 years ago, um, many of the youth entrepreneurs in our portfolio were expats, came from Europe or the US who had come into Africa to start companies. But now we see increasing numbers of local companies run by young people who maybe got a few years experience with an international company or training or support through an innovation hub or accelerator program and are starting their own businesses. And I think that's a huge growth potential also. Yeah, I think that last point, uh, Tracy, is is a really intriguing one, and I, I, we're seeing the same thing. You know, the increased interest in funding uh, more and more the local entrepreneur uh, and yeah. trying to tap into that local ecosystem of talent and uh, also access, you know, sort of an understanding of their customer, which I think they're a lot closer to uh, in many cases than other companies. Um, Definitely. Sorry to interrupt, but we see some, you know, local entrepreneurs who have um, come up from really starting as a volunteer in their community. Maybe uh, we have examples of young people who didn't even have access to electricity themselves all through high school and, you know, are now uh, leading operations for a company at a national level. So there's there's a new generation um, evolving, emerging. In the, in the sector in Africa. Yeah, and, and you've probably seen it, but our, our Powering Jobs research uh, showed that the sector is already creating decent work for youth. I think that, if I could remember correctly, the, the numbers were that youth represented about 40% of all decentralized renewable energy jobs um, in Nigeria and Kenya, which were the first two markets that we looked at in Africa. So clearly it's already an opportunity. And I think that you know what you're saying is that there's even more uh, opportunity to tap into. But that that being the, uh, said, you already mentioned the, the need for more finance, but there are, there are also other barriers uh, to realizing that greater potential. So I was wondering if you could talk briefly about those. Sure. Some of the barriers we identified in our youth um, brief that you mentioned at the beginning um, include a shortage of qualified engineers and technicians, um, in Kenya, for example, there's a population of about 45 million, but just over 2,000 certified engineers. Um, there's a lack of training in renewable energy technologies and digital skills, but even more than that, also a lack of training in business and leadership skills. Um, and then there's also a lack of awareness among youth about opportunities in the sector. Um, I think that is starting to change, but, uh, but there is still many um, young people feel they need to study you know, auditing or law in order to have a successful career and don't sort of see those opportunities um, and, and go after them. So some of the things that uh, our companies in our portfolio are doing is increasing collaboration with educational institutions. Um, for example, local companies in Malawi, uh, Kamudzi Kuala is partnering with a local vocational college. Um, 
a local company in Zimbabwe called Zoneful is uh, engaging with universities and also providing input on the national curriculum. So making sure that there is that link between people coming out of studies who, who that the curriculum meets the needs of the sector and that young people coming out of the studies have access to those jobs and there's a pipeline being developed between those. Um, companies are also working on improving the quality and accessibility of training. Um, many of our companies have in-house training programs, um, are willing to hire um, unskilled or inexperienced workers and, and train them up in-house. Um, Sistema Bio, for example, has an in-house training academy with a number of different modules on technical skills and financial skills, but also leadership skills, communications, active listening, even psychology, uh, which can make more effective sales agents. Um, and, but it cannot be left only to the companies. You know, there need to be more public initiatives also because uh, training, there is a, a huge amount of time and resources needed for that. And so if there are more public initiatives and more online initiatives to make training accessible to people in rural areas, um, that needs to be de developed collaboratively with both you know, between the industry and um, public programs. Um, we also see some interesting uh, apprenticeship and intern programs, um, and that also helps build the pipeline of candidates of helping people get into the sector. Uh, for example, an electric uh, mobility company in Uganda, Zembo, is partnering with the city authorities in Kampala to hire members of a city youth organization. So, and, and industry associations can play a role in that too, not just companies. So government companies and associations like the Association of Mini-Grid Developers or others Gogla can play a key role in helping develop this pipeline and helping develop the training opportunities, not just in-house, but in the sector overall. Yeah, I think the the point you made around, you know, the need for strong public-private partnership to solve this gap in skills uh, is, a, is a key one. Uh, but it's great to see that the private sector is taking leadership and, and really trying to push this um, agenda forward. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the youth in general, but, you know, we all know that uh, young women are more negatively affected by unemployment than men. Uh, the data we've seen points to 35% of young women not in employment, education, or training compared to only 20% of men uh, who are similarly impacted. So how do we, how do we get around that uh, and encourage participation in the clean energy workforce by more young women? Yeah, this is a very critical role. This is very important in terms of having an inclusive energy sector and one that really meets the needs of the of the um, customers. Um, this is something that EEP Africa cares about deeply. In the jobs that we've created over the past 10 years, over 9,000 jobs, about 40% have been for youth, but about 40% have been for women also. Um, and we have an aim to push that even higher. In 2019, we launched a call for proposals that actually had a gender theme with a focus on promoting women in leadership and promoting opportunities for women within the clean energy sector. Um, and so many of the projects that we funded 18 projects under that call, and many of them have a specific focus on hiring women, training women, raising awareness among women about opportunities. Um, some of the things that we saw uh, um, access of women to jobs was uh, a lack of um, access to mobile phones or digital technology. So um, there's a project, for example, in Malawi called Project Kumbo, uh, which is named after the first sales agent hired by Yellow Solar Power. She was the first, sorry, not the first sales agent, first woman sales agent. Many of their sales agents were men and they were confused as to why they were not getting more applications from women. 
and their first female sales agent, um, Kumbo, said that, you know, she had to ask her husband for access to the mobile phone in order to apply for the job. So they have a program now that's doing digital inclusion and really focusing on digital inclusion and digital training for young women. Um, other programs, uh, Jazza Energy is hiring only women to run their solar battery charging hubs. And actually 97% of their uh, solar hub managers, it's their first job. So many of them are 18 years old, 20 years old, coming straight out of school um, and don't have access to digital or financial skills and they're being trained in-house by them. Um, but I think in general, there are larger programs. That's on an individual company level. But as you said, it, it needs to have larger programs also, and there needs to be collaboration among all the players in the sector. So I think you probably know about Power Africa has a Women in Rwandan Energy apprenticeship program. Well, one of our companies in our portfolio, Off Grid Box, is hiring female engineers through that program. Um, and those women are installing solar uh boxes, their container boxes that are generate, providing clean energy and clean water to communities throughout the country. So having companies target their recruitment and training more, and then partnering with initiatives like Power Africa or government um, mentorship programs is, is really key to doing this. And that, as I said before, that takes resources, though. That takes time and dedication, which is why we um, did do a call for proposals focused on gender, because we understand that Many of the companies would like to do this, but they just simply don't have enough time and, and financial resources to target it as much as they'd like to. And that's where grants or um, other forms of uh, affordable uh, financing can, can come in to help stimulate that. Yeah. I mean, it's also where public sector funding can play a real key, uh, key role. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So it's great. You know, so we are, are we all talk about the energy transition and making it an inclusive energy transition. Um, it's from what you're saying just now, it, clearly, we also need a gender transition within the energy sector. But I also talk a lot about the need for a generational transition. And so I, I love the fact that EEP Africa is, is featuring rising energy leaders um, so that we not only have digital natives um, who are guiding the, 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 the construction of the future energy system, but also clean energy natives, right? So I, it'd be great to hear specific examples of one or two of the, the leaders that you identified through your awards. Sure. Thank you for that. Yeah, we've EP has had a Project of the Year award for many years now, but in 2020, which is what our 10th anniversary, we decided to launch this new award on rising energy leaders. And the goal was to really shine a spotlight on some of this new generation of emerging leaders in the sector in Africa who are leading the transition to clean energy. Um, so in 2020, we, we awarded our first batch of five leaders, and I was very pleased that uh, four of the five were women. Actually, um, and uh, I can give you some examples. One um, woman uh, named Maya in Malawi. She founded an NGO in 2012, first to lobby the government on clean energy, and helped the government set a goal of two million cookstoves by 2020. But she's also an entrepreneur, and she started a company that sells pico solar and cookstoves. And she directly contributed to achieving that goal, which the company did. 
Um, and she's actually, that's actually the project this running Project Kumbo and now has a focus. She's now focused on bringing more women into the sector and helping them rise up and follow her into the sector. Um, another woman, Priscilla, uh, has had a job at the UN, um, had a very good international job, but she wanted to go back and help make her country, help meet the needs of her country. Um, and she served on the National Youth Advisory Council. Uh, this was actually also in Malawi um, and helped uh, make sure that clean energy was a key part of the Malawi 2063 national plan um, and has is an entrepreneur also and has started a company that's working in solar irrigation. Um, and we have two of the other rising energy leaders from this year uh, are both in based in Kenya, Alana and Esther, and they have begun uh, discussing how to start a mentorship program in Kenya. So I think this, uh, these are examples of, of people who can you know, really lead in the sector. Um, I'll just mention the fifth one, Cleophas, uh, who was my example earlier of starting as a local volunteer with no access to electricity in his own home. And he now runs operations for Mesh Power across Rwanda. Um, so these are really dynamic people who are leading in companies, in entrepreneurship, and uh, taking it to the policy level and trying to lobby their national governments. Yeah, and they're also, you know, closest to the issue, right? That many of them have experienced it themselves. And so coming up with solutions that fit the communities that they come from is, is, is something that they know intimately, which I think is a really important piece of this. Um, so Tracy, tell us, I, I mean, for our listeners, if they wanted to learn more about the report or, you know, have a deeper look at the profiles of your rising energy leaders, uh, where do people go to, to find that information? Yeah, thank you. Um, so they can go to eepafrica.org um, and our, all of our publications are available on our website. Um, we have the youth opportunities briefs, but we also have uh, very interesting information related to the question on a study in productive use of energy um, and a recent study about climate adaptation and resilience from clean energy. As I mentioned, you know, the agricultural sector, there's real potential for growth in that sector as uh, more farmers have access to clean energy. Um, so there are a number of different publications that could be interesting and our rising energy leaders. Uh, there are also profiles of each of them on the website and on our social media channels. We've recently been promoting them um, again. And uh, yeah. So it sounds like we have uh, have to get you back on here pretty soon to talk about uh, some of the other research that you've been doing, which all sounds fascinating. So, well, thanks, Tracy, for, for joining us. Uh, that is Tracy Dolan from EEP Africa. Uh, please join us next time for the Power for All podcast.